Hey, buddy. Hey, man, what's happening? Not much, not much. Uh, great news with uh, Major League Baseball finally deciding to, to do the right thing, and that's making the Negro League's record count, man. So they'll now be a part of Major League history. It's about damn time. Um, it should have been done a long time ago. Kudos to baseball for doing the right thing. So very, very good news on, on that front. Absolutely, and major, major shout out to Stanford coach um, Terry Vandermeer, who passed the legendary, and may she rest in peace, Pat Summit yesterday with the big win. Congratulations to her, man. She's the all-time winning um, coach in D1 women's history, man. That is an that is an accomplishment and shout out to her dedication and hard work. So we as the sports dudes congratulate her. Absolutely. Um we're we're having a little pivot from our guest because our original guest, you know, had and ended up having a more busy week, but we are gonna have a returning guest. And that's JJ, who works for Bronx Pinstripes, who does George's Box, you know. So we'll okay. We'll talk some good Yankee baseball with him. And uh, Absolutely. And tonight we will have our second ever man who calls the Michael K show, Mister Jarv Dananda. You know. Um, oh, Dananda. You know, immediately after we end our this recording. I know I'm not going to finish in time, but I am going to start Die Hard. And, uh... The yeah. ultimate debate if it's a Christmas movie. The ultimate debate. Uh, a lot of people say it is. Pe- pe- people say it's not. I mean, it is It is what it is. Um, Today, at 2.30, it was announced that on December 30th, Craig Carden's son, Sonny Carden, and Christopher Mad Dog Russo's son, I'm blanking on his name right now, but they will be hosting the first two hours of Carton and Roberts together. Craig's gonna introduce them in, and then from two to, from probably about 2.05 till 4 o'clock, it's gonna be the son of Chris Russo, and the son of Craig Carden. I I think it's going to be funny. A lot of people. A lot of people are knocking it, right? Oh, of course, this is how they get the opportunity. Da-da-da. Nepotism at its finest. Millions and millions of hardworking people out of work. And this is, this is what the fan decides to do. Doing this for ratings. Da-da-da. But listen... You know, Chris, Chris, and and they had Chris on today to announce it too. He said that his son, he goes to college in Wisconsin. Um, they're seventeen and eighteen years old. Chris's son is he's a fan of the Charlotte Hornets. He's a fan. Oh, I think he said Oakland Athletics, and he. He's a fan of uh, the Jaguars. And Craig always talks up his son. He says he knows basketball cold. In and out, they call him Basketball Jones. 
And I I just think it's going to be really interesting. And of course, stuff like this, people's going to knock. But I just want to ask a question to the people who are knocking it, okay? If you had your own company, and it's Vanderveer, not Vandermeer. So, 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 I, so I just wanted to correct myself. Um, but if you had your own company, or if you could ask your boss, right? Hey, my son or daughter may want to get into this field. Could we give them a week or a couple of months, let them see if they like it? You know, your boss may say yes. Both these guys have 30 years in the radio business. So... You know what? Why the hell not? So, and and no one can say they wouldn't do that. Because if you could give your kid or your nephew or 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 your best friend's kid or someone that you know that's really hardworking a leg up, why not? And hey, may, maybe this is it for them. Maybe they get all nervous and decide this ain't it for them. And they'll forever have this cool memory of working where their dads have worked. Chris has worked at the fan for years. Mike and the Mad Dog, right? You know, Craig Carden has been on the fan for years. But, hey, maybe maybe this is the first of many, many more. And if they get the ratings, I'm, I'm sure they'll put them on at least once a month. But I think it's exciting. Yeah, it's, it's something very cool. And um, I'll be interested to see how they work. And... It's a good thing that um, Craig and um, Chris are doing, so it's something really, really looking forward to. So I'm really excited for that. Um, I do got some bad news. If you are a fan of the New York football giant, Daniel Jones has another injury. He has a, he has an ankle strain. So he's going to be very in doubt to play against the Browns, so it looks like they're going to go towards Colt McCoy. And if you're a Washington football fan, um, Alex Smith was limited in practice, and they're looking like Dwayne Haskins is going to be playing against the Seahawks on Sunday. Um, so that's going to be very tough. And if you're a Washington fan or a New York football fan, it's not what you want. And it opens the door for the Eagles, who have breathing life now with Jalen Hurts, and they're playing against the Cardinals team, and that's a winnable game. So we'll see. Unless unless they screw it up, uh, and 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 it's not a certainty either, as they lost their starting quarterback too, right? Um, but at this yeah. point, it's twenty twenty. I will not be shocked if the Philadelphia Eagles get the division <laughs> at, after all said and done. And, and if that happens with Jalen Hurts leading it, how are you going to go to Carson Wentz next season? Re- regardless of the playoff outcome, right? But if Jalen Hurts yeah. gets you there, come on, man. I'm, you know, it's, 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 it's going to be him, one right? of those You'd interesting have to games. Him, right? I, I, I have to ask an Eagle fan this. Um, I, 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 I'd have to ask the Eagle fan this. That's, that's, that's something that I, I'd have to ask my friend Heather, my friend Victoria. That's that's something I gotta ask them. Like if if, if I mean, would you be shocked if if the Eagles won the next three straight and the Giants and the Washington Football Team lose lose out? 
Would you be shocked? I wouldn't be shocked. And also, if I'm the Jacksonville Jaguars, I'm losing that game against the Jets. It's going to be one of those games where nobody really wants to win. Um, Which game? But, but, if, I, but if I'm the Jaguars, I'm, I'm, I'm losing that game. I'm not winning that game if I'm the Jaguars. Which game? They don't play the Jets. The Jets, the Jets play the Jets play the Rams, Browns, and Patriots. Oh, someone said the Jaguars play the Jets. They, they, they don't play each other this year, bro. They don't play each other. The, um, the Jaguars play the Ravens, Bears, and Colts. So, if I'm the Jaguars, I'm going to lose out, and then it'll be really 2020. I know this won't happen, but I will laugh so hard if the Jets win one game, and that game happens to be against the Patriots, and they lose out on Trevor Lawrence. I'm not saying it's going to happen, because I doubt it, but it would be the jettiest thing to do to lose, to win against the Patriots and end up taking Justin Fields. It would be the Jets thing to do. Right now, in Danny Vietti's poll, best baseball Twitter user of 2020, we got David Risigaliath, John Boy Media, against Rachel Luba. And early on, Rachel Luba's getting trounced. 2,856 votes. Um, so, you know, Trevor Bauer's killing his... Jared Krabis is losing to Asterisk Tour. So we'll 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 see what happens there. Um, you know, I I just voted for Rachel Luba. Um John but John Boy, I, I, I wouldn't be shocked if if John Boy or Passion or Bauer and the whole damn thing. Uh Jared Jared was a favorite too. You know, there wasn't no seating numbers or anything like that. But now we're gonna get in some JJ in the Bronx and Dude. Yes, sir. Alright, while we wait for JJ, um, you know, James Harden looked like he put on a good thirty-five to fifty pounds in the off season. You know. What's your what's your thoughts on James Harden looking looking like a big boy? It looks like the small James Harden got eaten by the bigger James Harden. And he became a bigger James Harden than he really did. It's crazy what happened, bro. Like, 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 what were you doing? <laughs> like, I don't get it. Like, what happened? Alright, JJ is now ready. So, before we talk some Yankees, how's the baby and how's the dog going? Baby's good. Uh, she turned one last month. So, um, you know, she's growing fat, starting to talk and things like that. And Susie's good. Uh, it was her one-year anniversary on uh, Monday. So we're a year since we've had her. We're coming up on a year since our first adoption. And we're published 329. We're at just over 330 adoptions so far this year. Hoping that we get, like, a holiday push and we can hit 366, so we do a, a life a day for a year. And first birthday, you know, is pretty much for the mother, right? So with COVID, did you guys just do just the three of you? Or did you do, you know, 
a, a couple of family? How 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 did you do that? No, we just stick. We stick to just uh, who's never had a cold, never, you know, like she's never been sick in any way at all. It's a little scary. Um, to you know, with everything going on, and also like my in laws are in their seventies, so. We play it safe. We have nieces and nephews who, you know, it, it fits their, their life and their parents' life to go to school. And I think everyone has to make the decision that's right for their family and follow the precautions, you know, as best you can. But for us, it's just, it made more sense to, to just stay home. Hey, JJ, I hope everything is all well and good. Um, I hope every, I hope you're, uh, I hope you are being safe, especially in these weird times that we're living in. So I want to ask your thoughts on, to recap, um, the Yankees had a disappointing 2020 season, pandemic nor being. Um, they, they lost their to race, who eventually went to game six of the World Series. And now the Yankees are in the offseason of uncertainty. Where do you think the direction that, that the Yankees are going to be going in right now? So... I think that the Yankees are close. You know, I think we're always close. But what we have to do, I think, as an organization, is sack up, spend some money, and trade some prospects. I'm tired of having, and we we don't have a great farm system anymore. Like, all these guys are up. We traded a couple ways. Some guys didn't pan out. But for so long, we prided ourselves on having the best 100 guys we lost focus of having the best 25 guys. And we're holding on to too many pitchers who are going to be, you know, promising stars. And they don't turn, they don't pan out. Like, we haven't had a pitcher fully pan out since, what, Andy Pettit? You know, uh, yeah, Seve's gone through the system, but, I mean, we don't know what he hit. You know, he pisses down his leg in the playoffs. He had a great, you know, half of a season. One point, he's been gone for a year. So, you know, what what are we gonna end up with? Herman is coming back, and you know, he had a, a great season that obviously got cut short because of you know some off field stuff. Starts the sits out a year, starts a winter season strong, and now he stinks again. So I think it's a matter of like, and, and it would calm the fans down. And I know that you can't run a franchise on like, we've got to calm the fans down. But just go out and win us a World Series. Like, we're right there. We're so close. Just get the pitching that's going to get us over the top. Get some players who have a set of balls and are going to stay healthy or know how to stretch. Or get them yoga memberships. <laughs> um, you know, you're, you're on the side with me where, and, and, and I call him the six foot seven little bitch. You're you're on the side with me of trading Aaron Judge. Uh, you know what do you think if 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 we did trade him, what do you think we could get? So I I started the whole trade Judge thing in the middle of last season, and people were like, "You're insane! You're insane!" Then he came back for like four minutes, and. You know, missed most of the rest of the season, stuck in the playoffs. So now more people are open to it. So I think that the Yankees do not have a shortstop. There is no shortstop on the Yankees roster right now as it currently sits. Francisco Lindor is available for a trade. Aaron Dutch is going to get Francisco Lindor money at some point from someone that I hope is not us. 
I think you take Judge, couple other players, prospect here and there, and you go out and you get Lindor and you sign him to an extension. Now, you're not playing the game of, oh, we can sign someone to a one-year deal or we try it again with Glaver at short or whatever the case may be, and then we'll go big next year when you've got story and you've got all these guys that are available because we talked ourselves into that with Bryce and Manny and that free agent class. And so we're just going to, like, maybe we do go out and get that big splash, but more likely than not, we don't. So what I think we do is, so it goes two ways. One, let's say we don't resign the I say you trade, judge, bring in Lindor to play shortstop, with Glaber back to second, and you sign Schwarber. One-year deal, make good, rebound, come, hit a billion home runs in a 140-game season, then go out and get your deal. Let's straight up just buy a championship because I don't care how you get it. Just get it. In a world where we keep DJ, now you're talking about a very expensive middle infield, but I still think you move Judge, try to get Lindor, and Glaber Torres is a young man, he's an athlete, you can't say this guy could maybe play shortstop for the Yankees and tell him he couldn't play right field for the Yankees. Very easy to pick up that position. It's drastic moves. It scares people the idea of it. It's not, you know, I don't have the whole organizational depth chart of who we're going to piece together on it. But we have two big problems. One is we don't have a shortstop, and the other is our franchise player isn't there 25% of the time or more. You can solve all of those very easily. Yeah, and and I get where you're coming from, and I've always I've been one of Aaron Judge's like defenders. I've tried to defend him, and I got to a point where it's like I I it, it's hard to defend him if you're not on the field. You how can I defend you? The best ability is availability. You talk about and I'm making a parallel in sports that you talk about Eli Manning and what made him so valuable that he was always available. And Aaron Judge was supposed to be the franchise guy. He's not available. So if you trade Judge, you have to make sure you buy in. It's going to be hard because it's like what Aaron Judge brings you is, you know, one healthy player. What does he bring you? What does he bring you? What does he bring you? When he's healthy. What does he bring you? When he's healthy. So three years ago, he was good. Three yeah. years ago. I mean, so that's what we're saying. I mean, well, then we might as well sign Don Mattingly because when he's healthy, <laughs> he's an MVP. <laughs> At least he won that award. That is like, true. My whole that thing is. with Judge is, Judge is, he's a height and a size that is not built for longevity and no one has had a long career at that size besides Richie Sexton, and he stuck. Um, and if you're going to have that guy out there, he's going to become a free agent in his 30s. Everything points to it going downhill, but it's so easy to get caught up in the, like, well, the judges' chambers and fans come for him and all that shit that is not winning baseball games. And then you end up resigning him, and now you've got another albatross contract. Or you've got a very ugly public like breakup, 
You know, I mean, if we ever go to arbitration with him, arbitration hearings are ugly. And we're going to show up in a binder that just goes, you don't play anymore and you stink now. It's going to get ugly. I don't see it being a fairy tale ending for the judge-Yankee relationship. Too many people say the same thing, right? And, and I'm sick of it. But when healthy, he's a top three outfielder in baseball. When healthy, he's elite. Look at look at what he does on the field. When healthy, when healthy, when healthy. Okay, and and if you look at Judge's postseason, right? He's had wild card moments. Let's be honest, against crappy teams, right? He hit a couple of homers yeah. against the Twins. He he hits a homer against the Rays this year. He now he does get the only run in Game Five, right? But where was he in Game Four? Where was he in Game Three? Where the fuck was he in Game Two? Last last year against the Astros, you know, maybe two years ago. Where was he? Where was he in most of the games of the CS? He's had moments. All right, he 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 is Clayton Kershaw. He is good in the regular season. When it comes to the postseason, he sucks. And you know what? They're gonna be stupid, and they're gonna give him a five to seven year deal of a minimum of one hundred and twenty million dollars. And, and and all the people that love Judge now, by year three of that contract or year two of that contract, we never come. And and, and and he's a free agent. He's a free agent going into the 2023 season, right? He'll start that offseason free agent. And and they're going to go, by by 2025, they're going to go, oh, my God, why the fuck did we sign him? I'm telling you. I'm telling you. Once he gets signed, I'm taking screenshots. I'm taking screenshots and and for Eric, for all the Judge supporters. Because when the time comes of him missing 80 to 90 games, it, it's coming out. Now, don't get me wrong. I don't not support the guy. Like, I like Aaron Judge to be healthy, play 140 games, hit 50 home runs, and, you know, play gold glove defense. The thing is, he just isn't going to do that. You know, every at-bat that he has, I'm never cheering against him. I never want him oh, to get oh, out. Of I want him to get it every time. I wish he was, at times, I wish he was on another team, though. And that's just a business decision looking at, like, what could hold this team back. And I think that the fan affinity to this guy, he's never won anything. Yeah, he won a Rookie of the Year award. But everyone says, like, oh, he's the MVP. He should have won it, except the Astros cheated. Maybe, but if that didn't happen, let's talk about how it actually went down. He didn't win. Oh, he plays gold glove defense. No, he doesn't, because if he played gold glove defense, they'd give him a gold glove. That's how awards work. Um, one, the, one of the, one of the, um, another person that's probably the big elephant in the room is Gary Sanchez. What do you do about Gary Sanchez? You talk about Aaron Judge. No, what we do about Gary Sanchez, because when Sanchez was also 2017, he was hot, he was a hot commodity, he was ranking, and now he's trash. So what do you do about him? So I think Gary Sanchez is a lot easier, I think, for the Yankees to deal with, because it's just easier to walk away from him. So, you know, he's down, we see these highlights of him hitting home runs in, the, I think it's in like the Dominican Winter League, and it's like, great, yeah. that guy was 38 years old. And threw that pitch at 83 miles an hour. Like, he's not, he's playing very good high school players right now because they just don't have, like, the caliber of players that would normally even make themselves available for that. And yeah, he's on a team with Puig, but, like, 
the guys who need the extra work, they're not traveling down there. They're not going to, um, you know, a Latin American country during a pandemic, being away from their family. Because a big thing down there is, in general, when you get a player like a Gary Sanchez, a plea, like part of their contract to play that is security. Like they, they need their own security team to be there. So then you're also going to run into that from like a, you know, just general safety from a pandemic. So I'm not impressed by what he's done. I'm tired. You know, you hear about, oh, he's working, he's working. But I hear that every year. And then he comes out and he starts the season, especially defensively, in an atrocious spot. And then it's just like, oh, well, he's just working out the kinks from working so hard in the offseason, which is not how it works. It's the same thing as when you were in school and someone would do bad on a test and be like, oh, it's because I studied too much. That's not a thing. You can't practice catching too much that you're not good when it counts. So, like, this is it. I mean, this is make or break for him. He, you know, there was talk of him not being tendered a contract. We weren't going to go out and sign Real Muto. I don't think we were ready because we have other holes that need to be filled and we have to put a focus on DJ in the offseason and we do have to build out a rotation that's more than just Cole and get away from the opener strategy. This wasn't like the dominoes aligned to save Gary Sanchez, but in a year, I could see this being, I could see it being dramatically different. Of, of us either making a move to trade someone, trade him. He may not make it through the season. Like, I don't think there's, I don't think him, I don't think Aaron Judge, I don't think, you know, even though he's earned his spot, I don't think Clint Frazier, Mike Talkman, I don't think those guys are secure in completing a season. There's people talking about trading Voight. I don't see that happening. I don't think that deal makes sense. But I think this could be a year where we see the Yankees making a, a, you know, a strong amount of moves as the season goes on because you also, like, you got to remember, they got to bring in money. As much as they're trying to watch expenses, nothing brings in money like winning a World Series. They've been hit hard by the pandemic. Let's win a World Series and get some money. Also, um, you know, let's let let's just call it what it is, right? If Gary Sanchez has a Jose Abreu season, is he trying to play ball with the Toros? If Yasiel Puig was with the team last year and balled out, is he is he playing with the Toros? You know, probably not. So it's that's that that's mainly what it is too. It's Puig trying to get a crack with a big league team. It's Gary Sanchez try, trying to so, show people he can get. But guess what, Gary? It's nice that you're getting hits against guys like, like JJ just said, who's a star high school player and who's probably really, really good in AAA. Hey, guess what? If we put Gary Sanchez in AAA and, and he played a whole season right now in AAA, you know what? He's probably hitting 50, 60 home runs. He's probably hitting 100-plus RBIs, right? So I I... If, 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 if he's hitting go-ahead RBIs, if he's hitting walk-off home runs, if he's hitting 500-foot home runs, guess what? He should be doing that. You know, now, now of course, too, it, it'd be horrible if he went 0 for 11. It'd be horrible if he went 2 for 22, right? So so I guess it's kind of good that he has somewhat of, somewhat of a success. But but if it's if it's now let if it's now May 15th, right, and, and he's already had 30 at-bats, and he only has three hits, and he has 15 strikeouts, 
is any of what he did with the Toros matters? No. So it it's it's he he can't win, and and people want to hype him up here to to be excited to say, oh, I'm quote unquote a real Yankee fan. But listen, like JJ said, we don't want these people to suck with the Yankees, but they're Yankees. They're not Toros. They're not they're not Scran and Thunder. They're Yankees. If they can't help the Yankees win, what are they doing? I cheer for laundry. I hope these guys have nice families, healthy lives, all that stuff. But, like, let's be honest. I, you know, we look at the numbers. If you look at the numbers, like, you know, maybe if you get CeCe back on the sauce, he's better at, like, the end of his career. Like, hey, whatever it takes. Like, when CeCe lost all that weight, so he could be with his kids longer, but then he stunk at throwing a baseball. I don't know, man. Eat some Captain Crunch and try to win a World Series. I don't care about your kid's graduation. Um, one, exactly. And I'm always going to root for players on my team. But I, I will never, ever, ever root for them to stink, you know, because that's just not being a fan. And Gary's just so maddening, right? Like, he had a season great, and all of a sudden he's struggling. And one of the key things I have to ask is, you saw um, Garrett Cole be comfortable with how he got Shioka over Sanchez, and you see him trying to frame pitches and whatnot. Do you think the framing and the, the whole thing about being a better catcher mess with his head? So, do you mean, did it mess with Gary's head that, like, yes. Piggy had such a good... So, I am, I am for giving a guy, like, Cole, will you pay that amount of money? I'm all for giving him his own catcher. Now, if your regular starting catcher can do that job, that's the ideal situation. But if you pay a guy 300 something million dollars and he says, I do 300 something million dollars good with this guy catching me, a guy who caught me in high school, yeah, that's the guy. I mean, he had his own catcher in Houston. Higgy caught him in high school. Like, you might as well let him do that. I, I said on George's box during the season, new episode coming out December 30th, George's box, iTunes, everywhere you get podcasts, comes out every Wednesday, um, that I, I said that I thought that the pressure of Cole may have weighed on Gary. And by pressure, I mean the pressure to be good. What all we've seen from Cole, like we saw him when he was in the Yankee, we just saw this guy fucking pitch and be lights out. But now we're paying attention to press. We're hearing more from our own reporters. We're hearing from the guys that we know and we trust about how smart he is, how he approaches the game, how he breaks things down and analyzes to make himself better and make adjustments. And we see that with him pretty much every season. If you really look at his stats, comes out, he's fine, kind of gets into like a little bit of a, uh, you know, a rut make some adjustment, and is dominant to finish the season and go to the playoffs. And I think the pressure of what it comes down to is just being good may have been weighing on Gary, and I think it's easier to let Gary focus on four guys who are, to a certain extent, just, you know, not at the intelligence level of Gary Cole or the discipline or the focus. Let him focus on them. Let him focus on batting. And then the guy who is just like, yo, I'm going out there to try to throw a perfect game every time, let, let Higgy worry about that. Let Higgy really cater to that. 
Because at the end of the day, that's going to make Higgy better. It's going to make him focus more. And, you know, Cole is rubbing off the other pitchers. The young pitchers, hopefully, they look to improve. They look to get better. They look to pick up on some, some things they can learn from him. And that circles around to Gary. But I just don't – I don't think Gary Sanchez is mentally strong. You see it every time he swings at a slider in the dirt, down and away. He just looks at like, I can't believe that the train dropped me off here. Like, he has no idea he's at Yankee Stadium. I agree, and and I definitely get and I definitely get that. And now another key thing about the Yankees is the bullpen. Um, you saw with Chapman, uh, every time that Chapman places in a in a in a in a, in a, in a, in a go in a winner go home scenario, he's blown through saves, especially throughout the nineteen against Houston in twenty twenty against Tampa. What do you do about the bullpen? Because Canley's out for the year. I mean, you have Brain, you have Green. I mean, Adovino has struggled as of late. And Chapman, you mean, the postseason, the man, he hasn't been good in the postseason. So what do you do? I, I think that, like, I don't know what Adovino's doing in the offseason. And it's a weird offseason because they don't know when it's going to start. I, I've been saying all along that I thought there'd be, like, a May start. So kind of the news that we're hearing now is like a delayed spring training. So I don't know how it's impacting anyone's um, offseason. I know like Otto is from Brooklyn. I think he lives in Westchester and he had like a throwing base in Harlem. I don't know what he's doing in the offseason, but he's got to be doing something because he's now going into the third year of a three-year contract where there's no trust in him. Uh, no one has any trust in him. We, you know, we, he pretty much didn't have to show up for the playoffs, he needs to become the guy who he was three years ago in a contract year. We need a contract year auto just to step up because it's a contract we can't get out of. Maybe, like, we could look to trade it, but people aren't looking to take on a reliever they can't use, and it's not like we're not going to be in the playoffs. So we're never going to be, like, fire sale. Chapman in the playoffs, I mean... I, he's, there's a reason he's not Mariano Rivera. Like, that's the difference. This guy throws so hard. He says he's working on, you know, another pitch and, and all this shit because he's lost some velocity with age. You can't move away from Chapman, obviously. We've got him under contract. You know, we've got Britain. We're not going to have Kingley. So you do have kind of this open spot. And it's interesting that a lot of people view Kingley as a throw-in piece when he got traded from the White Sox. And I remember at the time, um, I think I was with Barstool still. Yeah, I was with Barstool still. And I wrote a blog about how this isn't about Robinson. It's about getting this Canely guy who throws 100 miles an hour and having him for forever. It's funny now, but him out, now maybe we're looking back at Dave. Maybe we're trying to get him, you know, in a, a free agency situation out of Philly. I think we do need someone, I, like, as much as I think uh, Personality-wise, Robertson's a dick because of the um, issue with 2017 and the traveling secretary and like get, like cutting people out of money. But he's a guy who'll go out there and find you two innings when you need it. He's like an older Chad Green, a more veteran Chad Green, because essentially, like with the bullpen we have, we kind of need two Chad Greens because it's not going to be Lewiska or you know. 
Sessa might have to start. Like we, we do need to find a guy who can be that bridge that's not supposed to be a closer somewhere else, that's not supposed to be a starter somewhere else. We need to find that exact piece that is a lot of times the difference maker between winning a World Series and not. When I was first looking at that trade, and and I think there might have been a third guy with it too, um, but I knew David Robertson. Yeah, there was a guy. There was a guy who met Derek Jeter one time and stood next to him and took a picture in that trade. All, all Todd Frazier. Yes. Okay. Um, there you go. You got the jokes. You got the jokes. <laughs> I I knew David Robertson was for now, right? But looking at the years of control at that time, and I think it was like four or five at really low money, I knew Tommy Canley was the future. You know, if they want to offer him a two-year deal for like, you know, five, six million dollars, I guess I can't be mad at that. But then you have to try to trade Adovino, right? Because you're basically getting Canley for next year. You know, un- unless the Yankees were to make a CSO World Series run, He's not pitching. He's not pitching this upcoming season. Um, you know, and if it's me, like especially now on Twitter, right? A lot of people are debating Gio Urshela, Nolan Arenado. Now, are people riding with Urshela because he's low money, or are they riding with him because he's a Yankee and they don't think Nolan Arenado will happen? If Yankees have a chance to get Nolan Arenado. You do that because Nolan Arenado in your infield, I'm sorry, will be a lot better than Gio Urshela. You know, especially offensively, you know, he will get you 40-plus home runs. He will get you 100-plus RBIs in the stadium. And and if we can do it, you know what, why the hell not? If if the Yankees have to get all-stars at every position, you know what, go get Arenado. Go get Lindor. It's been too, too long. And, And how Steinbrenner... Ha, ha, has to get beaten up. He he has to get mad. Yeah, I mean, I want Arenado, obviously. Who doesn't? But then you still have, like, I get if you told me I could have Arenado, Glaber, DJ, and Boyd. Like, yeah, we can we can make that infield work, but it's becoming an issue at some point. Yeah, I mean, um, I mean, if you know, you know, that's okay. that's that's a lot of money, but it's just about it's just about winning and what they're doing right now. It's not it's not working. They're you know at this point the only prospects you're hugging right. If it's not Jason Dominguez and if it's not Devi Garcia, everybody else should be able to be traded. If you can make it work, right? Oh, and of course not Garrett Cole. You don't trade Garrett Cole. But, but but that's also the problem too. Once you get once you get Garrett Cole, the clock started. The Yankees just wasted a year of his contract. So now, good Garrett Cole, you maybe have four phenomenal years left. If you get into Garrett Cole when he's 35, 36, 37, 38, how good is he going to be? So the clock's ticking, man. They they can't waste the next two years, and that's what and that's what I'm afraid is going to happen. They're going to waste. Three total whole years, and that's not cool. Well, I think, you know, I, what I said when we signed Cole is we signed Cole with two windows. There's a window that was already open. When you're the Yankees, in theory, the window is always open because you're always 
didn't make the playoffs. You know, we've missed it a couple of years recently. But for a long time, especially at 35, for like most of my life, it's just like, well, we're going to be in the playoffs. The window's always open. But you kind of know when you get to the ALDS or when you get into an ALCS that you're like, you just know you're overmatched and it's like, fuck, that sucks. But with Cole, we have this window that was open before he got here. Then there'll be a point where it's like, well, we've got to make decisions. And this is before, you know, this season and injuries and people who stunk. But we're going to have to make decisions on Sanchez, on Glaber, on Judge. We're going to get late into the Stanton years. You know, we're going to have, you know, Boyd's not the first base. He's not a franchise first baseman. You know, all of this stuff. So there'll be like a, we've got a couple of years. We've got then probably some down rebuild years. And normally in that time for a pitcher, they kind of lose it a little bit. And then the great ones figure out, like, oh, how do I not throw? How do I actually pitch? How do I reinvent myself later in my career? And and still be dominant, you know, better than the middle years, not as good as the, the front years. And that's the kind of pitcher I think Cole is, kind of how Verlander was really great, wasn't good, like got lost for a little bit, made some tweaks, and, you know, winning Cy Young's again. So then there's that second window that'll open up with, like, guys we don't even know. Maybe it's Dominguez. Maybe it's guys who are 12 right now in the Dominican Republic hitting dingers. But, you know, we can't let this first window close. Like, we need to win the World Series in 2021 and or 2022. 2023 and 2024, like, a lot of the stuff that we've been excited about, like, yeah, great, it's a good deal, seven years, $70 million, but, like, that Aaron Hicks contract, yeah, you can walk away from $10 million, but, like, that's easier to say than they get the Yankees to do. So, like, even these, like, good contracts are going to end up becoming, like, a pain in the ass when we're in that down period. Yeah, Hicks is a free agent in 2027. Yeah, I can't um, even imagine being like that. What do you think? What do you think? Well, we know that Stanton picked up his option. No shock there. Um, what do you think of Giancarlo Stanton? What do you think of Giancarlo Stanton? I mean, we've got we we've got him. He's on the team, and there's no way out of it. So, like, people get mad because I criticize Judge, and I'm hard on Judge, and I'm hard on Sanchez. But I give Stanton a pass, and it's because like because here you're here for forever. Like we have. You have a no trade, so we couldn't trade you if we wanted to, unless we said we're going to trade you to the Dodgers, and they know that they're the only team that we could trade him to, so they're going to just put it up our ass to, you know, to get him. So we're, you know, we have no option. That's our guy. Like we're not just married to him. We're not married to him with a kid. We're married to him with like seven kids. Like the divorce would be so ugly and so impossible. So what do you got to do? You just got to make it work. You just got to figure it out. And, like, he came up big in the playoffs. He he missed pretty much a whole year, couldn't stay healthy, could, started off hot, couldn't stay healthy. It's the same couldn't stay healthy. Like, he needs to be in the yoga classes or doing Pilates or whatever it is. And I'm, I'm glad because with what's going on right now in the world, we're not seeing him out. Like, it pissed me off last offseason he was, like, on TMZ, like, oh, yeah, I just had a salad at Sweet Green or whatever. <laughs> like, I'm just working out hard. Still, you still see some sweat on my shirt. Uh, and then it turns out, nope, that wasn't true. So, 
you know, as long as, like, we have no choice. We have no choice but to just rock with him. And he's going to hit home runs. He, at least with him, we're like, you know, hey, he's an MVP caliber player because he's won an MVP award. Right, and now, and now, and now he's basically half a player because if you try to dart him in the outfield, he's going to play four or five innings and then he's going to get hurt. And this is the last year. I'm all for getting him in the outfield. I'm all for him playing the outfield. I am 100%. Here's the way I view it, and it's probably wrong. I admit that it's probably wrong, but it's like a stubborn thought that I have. You know, especially if we can trade Judge, I need 50 games a year from Giancarlo Stanton in the outfield. You can't be an albatross for seven years eight years on the DH spot. You just can't. Like, you can't operate as a team that way. You need that spot to give guys day, days off, but you can't give the $30 million guy, like, you know, too many days off because you're making all that money. So whatever it is that they need to focus on his, like, if the Yankees have to fucking hire a team of scientists and have them study him for the whole offseason to find a way because – it's not like I'm asking a, a geriatric old man to do it. I'm asking a, a what was he, 30 years old? 30, 31? I'm asking a 30-year-old man to play the outfield for 50 games a year. At 38, 39 years old, fucking Paul O'Neill played 138 games in right field in his last season. You know what it is? It's It's, Come on. it's one of those things where maybe he's just benching too much, right? And... This is the last year Glaber's on cheap money. He starts arbitration next year, where whereby his fr- his last year with the Yankees before his free agent year, he can be making twelve plus million dollars. But now let's let's try out the standing theory because I'm with you. I know it's not going to happen, you know. But but what if what if doctors were to tell you, okay, Yankees, John Carl Stanton can play outfield, but he can only play four or five innings outfield a game. That's one, maybe two at bats, and you'd have to bat him in the top three to try to get him his max amount of bats. Would you do that? If that's if, if that's the only way he can play outfield three days a week, would you do that? If I'm Hal Steinbrenner, at that point, I hire someone to kill him. It's cheaper than you'll be out of jail. You'll be out of jail through the contract. It saves money. You get a guy real cheap to shoot you and Carlos Dan in the head. And then, boom, you get, even if you get caught, even if you get caught, you go to jail for, like, conspiracy to commit homicide. And with, like, contributions, community work, all this shit, like, he's still white, it's still America, like, it's unfair. He'll be out in five years. Now, 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 what if, what if, what if doctors say, all right, we've, we've studied him, and he can give you 115, but he only has the DH. 115 games at DH for this contract? For DH, I'm talking 130 or the murder. You might, honestly, honestly, I I came up with the murder thing. 
I came up with the murder thing out of nowhere, and you would expect, if you're listening to this, you're like, wow, you're probably reflecting on that in cancel culture, and like, you can't say that. And I'm you know, honestly going the other way, I'm kind of talking myself into it. Like, it just, I think how Cyberner could kill off. I mean, yeah, his dad couldn't spy on Dave Winfield, but I think he can get away with a murder. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Okay, in the new collective bargaining, it's one murder amnesty. And you have the ball to take a player's life. You can do that. Listen, listen, the only person that, listen, if you would have said James Dolan, the owner of the Knicks, uh, you wouldn't get arguments from me, but John Carlos can. But think about, um, all right, all right, so think about it, though. Think about, like, Brazilian soccer players. Like, they give up, like, you give up an own goal, like, you're a goalie or something, like, they murder you, and they, those guys try a lot harder. They don't miss games. We may we need to get a little more fear in the game. Then maybe we'll see Judge out there playing. He can dance like Spider and Goodfellas. <laughs> dance, puppet dance. Okay, so what would you? So now the biggest question for the Yankees is now I, it looks like they're going to have expansion playoff. It looks like the DH is likely going to stay, and they're going to be seven inning um, double headers. What do you say about that? Wait, they're. I haven't heard about the double headers. Yeah, well, that's one of the things that the MLB Network we're, we're talking about. They're thinking of no, you can't keep that. Universal, you can't keep that. You can't keep that. Universal DH obviously should be there the, to just be like, you know what? We like to do it this way because we're old timey. Is like, I mean, come on, you might as well have a Confederate flag as the National League logo. What are we doing? The, the pitchers can't hit. They're just not good at it. Either that or make them be good at it. But they're not going to because it's a specialized position. They make money to pitch every five days. Why would I try to do anything extra? So get rid of it. No one pays to see the pitcher hit. No one's like, oh, man, this is exciting. Yeah, sack butt. Like, that's the best possible scenario is a sack butt. Nobody's like, oh, man, fuck, I need to get his jersey. Oh my god, that that is true. You know what? You saying to kill John Carl Santon made made me think of the fan, right? Robert De Niro, Wesley Snipes, and. Hell yeah, John John Crock. Don't forget John Crock. Yeah, John John Crock, right? You know, the the outfielder wore number 11, and Wesley Snipes was screwing it up, man. He. He, he signed a big Barry Bonds contract. He was supposed to be Barry Bonds in that movie, like $56-something million. You know, he leaves the Braves. And then he's struggling, and he ends up meeting this guy, Robert De Niro. And he's like, man, maybe I just need my number 11 because he had it on the chain. He was wearing the chain. He was struggling so much, he was wearing his Braves jersey on there. His, his, his Giants jersey. And, uh... He ends up meeting this guy in the steam room, and he had the 11, I think, tattooed on his chest, and he cuts it off, puts it in a freezer bag, puts and puts it in a cooler, and gives it to him, <laughs> and it's just like, oh, man, 
but 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 it's 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 a top five baseball movie. It's always forgotten by most people because it came on so long ago. But if you haven't seen that movie, you need to check out that movie. Top five baseball movie. Saying the fan is a top five baseball movie is as much as I enjoy this movie. That is one of the worst takes I've ever heard about. What What's your top five? Well, what's your top five? That's what I'm asking you. Oh, oh, sorry. I didn't hear you ask that. Oh, I mean, well, number one's Bull Durham. I think Bull Durham is it's the best sports movie of all time. Um, you've got, I mean, Moneyball's better than that. You've got Eight Men Out. You've got Field of Dreams. I mean, you've got 42. Hell, I'll be honest with you. Um, if you consider it, oh, man, who is it that... The Napoleon Dynamite guy, Roger Benchwarmers. That movie is better oh, than the fan. Is good. Bench. Like, but Moneyball, yeah, really? Like, I don't. We, I I don't get people's hype over Moneyball. Moneyball is not just a great baseball movie. It's a great movie. Like it's a very good, well-told story. You don't have to understand baseball to understand that movie. I think they do a really good job of breaking that down. The same way, like Bull Durham, just about life. Baseball's on the backdrop. The rookie, um, oh, the rookie's hardball, one. hardball, I mean, the fan is probably not top ten. Summer catch. Money. You know what's funny about Moneyball? Um, Jonah Hill got nominated for an Oscar for Best Supporting Actor. That was the only film he got nominated for Best Supporting Actor on is Moneyball. So, just wanna point that out there. No, he got. I think he, he got nominated for. Um, I think after that, he got nominated for Wolf of Wall Street. Oh, yeah, you're right. He did. Yeah. But he didn't win it, but he did get number one. Angels in the Outfield. A League of Their Own. Alright, Angels in the Outfield is very, very good, but I, I don't think that's better than The Fan. You might as well, you might as well say Sandlot's better, better than The Fan, too. It is, I mean, yeah. Oh, my yeah. God. Sandlot, no. That, that, that's well, overhyped. Exactly. All the major league movies. Major League One is great. Major League Two is good. Major League Three sucked. I thought I, I, I thought that movie. The was Scout, Mister Baseball. Scout's it good. Is a bad opinion. I do have to go eat dinner though. As much fun as I'm having, it is time for dinner. All right, no problem. JJ, everybody, go listen to listen to George's Bossum. Him and Nick Kirby do a fantastic job. Uh, JJ's original co-host actually was Keith McPherson, and then uh, you know he had a couple people on here and there, here and there for season two, and then he established with him and Nick. Um, I'm about I would say maybe fifty. To an hour in on Die Hard. 
It's so far a good movie. The first 20 minutes, super slow. Super slow. I almost wanted to shut it off. But I, I, I figured if Bruce Willis is in it, it can't suck. You know what I'm saying? Um, But so, so far, my true take on the movie, it is not a Christmas movie. It's not. So far. And, 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 and we'll get into this right now with the man Jarv. But just from what I've seen so far, and the comparison with Home Alone is is the one he made. I get why, but the two movies do not even get into the same atmosphere, man. It's it's just 100% completely different movie. I understand. I see exactly where you're coming from. I personally think Die Hard's great. Uh, hmm. Where I fall into the Christmas movie a lot or not is it's a tough call. It's a really, really tough call. You can't go you can't go either 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 way. So I see where you're coming from, but it's a fantastic movie. I think because it takes place around Christmas time. And yeah, that's the debate, right? But but we're gonna yeah. get into that with Jarv. Let's see. So we are now all the way calling Australia with the man Jarv who calls on the K show. For us, it's Wednesday, eight oh five p.m. For him, it's Thursday, twelve oh five p.m. And before we started this, I'm about fifty minutes to an hour into Die Hard. I never seen the movie before, and so far I'm in love with it. I just got to the point where Carl from Family Matters, you know, basically, you know, Bruce Willis killed the dead body, and he had to back his car all the way into the gate, and he and 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 you know the cops were just getting ready to see the cars, but the first twenty the first twenty minutes of the movie is very very slow. I mean, very slow. I almost gave up on the movie. But but I kept hanging in there because I figured, hey, this is a Bruce Willis movie. It can't suck, right? But, you know, but is it based around Christmas? Yes, I I see that. And and the the song Argyle played, it's it's more of a rap music than, than a traditional Christmas music, right? There, there's a part where Carl sings a little bit of Christmas melody. I mean, you know, we see the Christmas tree tattoo on Bruce, right? We, we see the holiday party in, in, in Sakatumi's, you know, you know, Nakatumi's office, you know, and all that. But, you know, you made the preparation too with that of Home Alone, right? Where, I mean, Home Alone is basically. Two guys trying to rob a house with a kid, but no one dies in Home Alone. I mean, is is people is people supposed to die around Christmas and mass firings and you know I I don't think so. I mean, the kid part was a nice touch. You know, the daughter calling the mom asking if daddy's coming home. You know, uh, but I truly don't think it's a Christmas movie. So, what's your thoughts, Jarv? Uh, hi, Nick. Thanks for having me on the show. It's uh, nice to be invited somewhere uh, to appear and not be called the defendant. So, um, <laughs> thanks for having me on. <laughs> uh, 
Um, yeah, with Die Hard, uh, it, it, I, I don't even know why you're stopping to do this call because this is a classic movie and it's just getting to start to ramp up to the good part. So it must be really hard to, hard to turn it off. One, one of the things I really envy is when I hear people haven't seen a classic movie because you never get to have that first watch again. You know, So I really envy the fact that you got this opportunity to do that because it really starts to get good from here on out. Yeah, I agree with the start. You've got to set it up. You know, it's, it, movies have to do that You know, sometimes and <laughs> they don't have any, like, pretext to work from so yeah oh, i envy you so much but no i i think the, the murderings and all that kind of stuff i, I think uh, the wet bandits should have died about five or six times before that kid will put them through so uh, there could have been a couple of deaths in that there's a good chance there could have been a couple of deaths in there quite easily so yeah uh, i think the main thing is the terminology of what is a christmas movie compared to a movie set at Christmas time. And I think a Christmas movie is about Santa. It's about the themes of giving and Christmas and presents and those kind of things. Where I think the themes of all these other movies are, like Love Actually, like Die Hard, like Gremlins even, are about more family. And I think people are mixing up family with Christmas. Because I think family ties is what all those movies' themes are about. You know, Kevin wanted to be alone. He wanted to be away from his family because there were so many of them. He didn't get his chance. But he ended up missing them and realised why what he cared about. That's not Christmas. That's family ties. So right. I think that's the same with Die Hard. Him flying all the way to LA to try and reunite his family. Christmas was the reason he made the trip. But I think the ties of the family is what the message is all about. Uh, Jar, what's up, my man? It's James um, of the Half the Sports Dude. Um, How's it going, brother? Yeah, it's going well. Ticking along, so counting the minutes down to Christmas break and, you know, take a couple of weeks off work. So I've got to ask you this. Um, you listen to the K show, and you're you're probably one of the loyal listeners. Like, how, like when, when they made that bet, and when you suggested them to for the Eagles, um, for the Eagles prop, um, was that the first thing that came to your mind, or were you thinking, like, other things that they could do for their punishment thing? Well, I was trying to steer away from food and anything permanent because, you know, anyone, I've listened to the show for probably over 10 years and the one thing I know is Michael won't do anything permanent. No tattoos, no shaving heads, no anything crazy like that. Like, the food was a big stretch. So you had to try and find something that, one, would be entertaining on radio and TV and someone like actually not just walk, knock on the head straight away and say, no, I'm not doing that. So, you know, the original idea was Cowboys because it's, you know, such a rivalry for both um, the Washington team and for the New York Giants, but I thought the tie-in of Andrew being an Eagles fan was something that would get the producer on board. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a good point too. Um, you know, there there are a lot of opinions on, on the K show, and of course, me and James both love the K show. You know, a lot of people think that Michael and Don, and and maybe that's true. You know, that they're the two popularest people on the show. But, but Peter is, you know, he's that underdog, man. He, he's that school that gets invited into, into the tournament. He is the 60th seed that, that comes, comes knocking. So if you had to rank, right, Michael, Peter, and Don. And hey, let's add RJ and Andrew into it because they're, because they're a pretty important part of the show, right? They, they basically put it all together. How would you rank those five? Yeah, that's a, that's an incredibly tough question, and I think I'm going to get a lot of splinters sitting on the fence right now because uh, it's re- they're really different dynamics of people. Like when with Don and when because I listened to it before, obviously when Don and Michael are in their sports zone chat, it's 
a proper sports show like all the others. The one thing that they keep calling Peter the reason, but I think he's the difference. He's that element that the other shows don't have that stops him being just being a sports show and being an entertainment show. Like ESPN stands for Entertainment Sports Network, and I think he brings that entertainment side. I don't. I think people appreciate Peter's um, comedy chops that he brings and some of the stuff that he's brought to the show that like make it different to all the other sports shows. Like I, I, when, when he first came, I was the same as everyone else, and I was kind of shocked because. It's a sports show. Why are we having someone who doesn't know as much about sport, especially baseball, on a Michael K. sports show? You know, and so, it, it, but over time, it's just kind of made it a better show overall. So, I would say I can't, I can't do a favourite. I think, I think tomorrow's show without Michael won't be as good as today's show. I think the three of them together is what makes the show right. I think Don and Michael on their own aren't as good anymore, and I think Peter and Michael aren't on their on their own don't work. I think the three of the three dynamic really makes it great. Um, yeah, and that's what I think. So I think when you're adding, um, when you're adding uh, Michael, Don, and Peter, it, it, it's great. And unfortunately, we're not going to have Kate tomorrow, so that's going to be a little bit of a bummer. Um, so I have to ask this question, um, especially with the bet. Um, who do you think is going to? Who do you? Who would you want to wear that Eagles um, get up? Do you want Michael, Don, or Peter? If you had to pick. Ah, that's hard. Um, I think it would. I think it would hurt Don the most, given he's still linked to the team. His fans are still linked to the team, and a lot of friends and family would really and living in South Jersey as well, so close to Philadelphia. I think it would hurt Don the most. Um, but I think he will win the whole tournament. I, don't, I think he's got the best. Well, he's got the lead, and he's also got probably the best football knowledge. So yeah, I, 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 Michael winning. Michael, Michael losing the bet would be the most entertaining. But yeah, any of them, any of them having to do it will be quite fun. Right, if it gets to happen at the beach bash. Right now, who is currently winning? Uh, Don's in front by five points. Um, yeah, he's five. He's three points in front of Michael and five points in front of Peter. Oh, okay. And I, I think you're right because let's let's face it, right? Don and Peter are true fans. Right, because Michael yeah. chooses to be professional to where it's good if the Yankees win. But I don't think, and he said it many, many times too, I don't think that he roots for the Yankees to truly win he, because, because he's the Yankee broadcaster. And that's also what I love about Michael is he truly isn't a homer. And, and he, it might be easy for him to be a homer, right? Because he grew up in the Bronx. Yankee fan, he's he's living out his childhood dream, but that's what I think separates Michael from from the rest. Because if if you listen to a lot of baseball broadcasts out there, there they are a homer for their team, and sometimes that gets boring. You want to hear the true, honest opinion. Yeah, well, living here in Australia, like the games are normally the the West Coast games, the seven PM games are nine AM, and the West Coast games are midday. So after the Yankees game, you know, you're obviously middle of the day, wide awake. I'd watch other games, and some of the some of the broadcasting is it's it's really hard to listen to because it's just so the good guys bad guys thing, and it's just so one sided and so blatant. It, it it was hard to swallow. What's the thing? you 
point where you're the same age as the players and the people you cheer for are retired. And then you get to the point where everyone you are cheering for and wearing your uniform is younger than you. And it's a kind of a weird vibe with that because it's like you kind of they're not your peers, they're not your idols anymore. They're, they're, they're people that are the next generation. It's kind of hard sometimes, and I can see why people walk away from their fandom or kind of lose that intensity for it, just getting older. What do you think as far as... Um when, when, especially with the uh, with, with, with how it is with especially that the Giants are in it now and you see Don starts to really get in it and you see Peter's Washington football team in it like does it make for good content when both of their their um their their football teams are are playing meaningful games? Oh, definitely, definitely, and, and it brings the, the fans of each team into the show more because they're kind of, you know, they're, they're, there's really interest. Because, you know, as you know, if you've listened to the show in the last six months, trying to listen to Sam Dano uh, every Monday is incredibly tough. So where it makes good content for a team losing, winning makes makes the callers calling, makes things happen, it makes, you know, it, it adds some spark to it. So, yeah, I think the fan, having fandom on the show does help and some competitive fandom. And Manny Ramirez is now in your neck of the woods playing baseball. And Rachel Balkovich, who, we, who we've had on the pod and she works with the Yankees. You know, we all saw that video a couple weeks ago where the guy's wearing the Boston hat. And he didn't know who Manny is, right? And Manny still got the dreads. He has a recognizable face. So I'm going to go un- under the impression that he wasn't a true Red Sox fan. That he was wearing it just for style. Do do you think that's true? Yeah, yeah, that happens all the time here. Like it's really hard. Like I live literally and figuratively on an island when it comes to baseball because there's there's not a whole heap of fans that you can find and kind of mingle with. So it really is um is tough. And the problem is. It's like a brand here. It's like a Nike swoosh, the B or the NY, because it's so, you know, recognisable and they see everyone all wearing it in music videos and all that kind of stuff and just assume, like, a lot of women know what the B stands for Boston. So it's really weird because sometimes I'm, I like, I often wear my Yankee cap out and you see someone with a Boston hat and you give them a little nod or a wink, like, ah, you know, <laughs> that kind of thing, where, unfortunately, I, I've got a lot of phone numbers, but I haven't got a lot of friends from it, so it's kind of strange. What do you think as far as um, Don when you know the best part about K is when, when Don has this rant, and I think we all love Don's rant, what do you think of when Don has a rant? Like, what's the first thing that goes to your mind? Um, he's definitely got some anger issues, there's no doubt about it. There's definitely, he's definitely he's, he's kind of like a kettle. He just kind of, it, it just builds up over time, and you, you never know what's going to be the breaking point. And, you know, it's just that one comment or one thing will set him off, and it's just something that's been lingering for a while. So, yeah, I, I think if that time when he was going to kill Peter, I think if they're in the same room, there might have been some trouble. <laughs> um, so the, the New York Yankees, you know, they haven't won since 2009, and, you know, they got Garrett Cole this past offseason. And we thought that was it. That's the missing piece. And the year, obviously, with COVID, a weird baseball season. And this, hopefully, is the last weird COVID baseball season. Hopefully, 2022 and beyond, we never have to worry about this again. So, what do you think the Yankees have to do to try to be back on top? 
Uh, as it currently stands, I don't think it's far away. I don't. I think if it was a proper season this season, I think it would have been a lot, a lot better representation. Um, I, I think they will be up there next year. If I think the plan is, after especially after hearing Brian Cashman on the K Show today, is get DJ and get a couple of bullpen help, and then go with what they already have. One more year of Torres at shortstop. It sounds like the plan when he said he's not planning to move Hoyt. So I think the plan is stay as as is, pretty much, just with bits and pieces in outfield and bullpen help and backup. But yeah, I think they can win as presently constituted. But I think the bigger problems coming up for us in a, in a few years when because we started all those clocks in 2016 and they're all going to come to roost in a couple of years' time when we need to make tough decisions. So. Personally, I'd be thinking about trading some place pieces now because you have to make decisions on them and there's value there now. You've got two years left of Judge, you've got two years left of Sanchez, you've got, you know, Frazier, Floyd and uh, Torres all have Super 2 status now, so they aren't all cheap anymore. There's, there's tough calls coming up and we're just kind of landlocked by the Stanton uh, contract, which is immovable until they make a universal DH. Yeah, and that's a, that's a contract that's very hard to move. And obviously nobody was surprised that Gary got picked up. But you heard Cashman, you heard him saying about that, about the Yankees having a higher payroll. But what the ultimate that the Yankees will ultimately do, because they can't lose DJ and they desperately need pitching help. And they also need depth because the one thing that the that made the Yankees special with next man up is they had a like, incredible depth. Somewhere, definitely someone experienced, whether it's Tanaka or I like the idea of trading for Carlos Carrasco. Um, he's on a, Indians are looking to shed salary and he wouldn't be too expensive prospect wise. And I think he's making like 12, 13 million. So that's getting a number two representative starter at a good price. So that's the guy I'd be looking at. But it's just a matter of how many people are going to be sniffing around and how much, and what, what the prospect price is going to be. But I think he's got a, a team friendly contract in regards to what we normally pay the next two, three years. So, yeah, I think they definitely need another, another starter. The, 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 there's a whole lot of rookies straight after Cole, so that's a concern. I mean, Carlos Carrasco, he would be he would be good, right? That's that's Cole and, and Carrasco right there. That's a one and two. Then you probably have Devi Montgomery and then, let's say, Herman, right? So that's a much, yeah. much better rotation. But if you have to replace Carrasco with Clark Schmidt and it's Garrett Cole and a bunch of rookies, I'm, I'm saying that right now, the Yankees ain't winning. The Yankees are not winning the damn thing. They're not winning the division. They're not They're not going far in the playoffs. It's, it's, just, it's just not going to happen because there's going to be a point where those, those four starters, right, they may combine for what Garrett Cole's great season would be, right? Those four guys may get you 18, 19 wins. So would those be the same guys that could get you postseason? Um, Carrasco is a free agent in 2024. He makes $12 million this year, $12 million next year, $14 million in 23. And it says for 2021 luxury tax salary, eleven point seventy five. Just the salary, twelve million. So, 
There's, there's that. And he has a 2023 vesting option, which includes a $3 million buyout. Uh, and he has incentives to where if he gets Cy Young from 21 to 22, he gets $2 million. He gets $2 million for a win. He gets $1 million for second or third place in Cy Young. He gets $750,000 for a fourth or fifth. He gets $500,000 for a sixth or tenth. He has a $3 million trade kicker. If traded in 2018, which of course he wasn't, and a one million trade bonus after 2019. So that's the thing. I don't think you're going to get Tanaka after 13 million, and or you know Bauer, of course, or anyone on the free agent market as a as a second pitcher, as a number two um, for that price. So that's why I think it's quite an attractive um, deal. Yeah, um, and, and, and now the, the other question is, um, Didi was just, you heard Didi was just on, um, I wish the Yankees would bring Didi back. Do you think the Yankees should bring Didi back? I would like for them to, but I don't think they will. Basically, they, they, they sound like they're committed to, well, it, it comes down to DJ, I guess. But uh, from some of the comments that Didi made when he finished up at Phillies, it seemed like he was... Not burning the bridge with the Yankees, but he definitely wasn't helping his cause when he was talking about Girardi and how that was handled. So I think it would be tough for them to bring him back in the position that he's in, but I would like to see it. I think he fit there great. He was great chemistry and personality for the clubhouse. The left-handed bat, you know, it just, there was a lot that fit there and worked as, as a New York Yankee. Here's me, right? There are five star shortstops in next year's region class. So, so let's assume that only two of them stay with their current clubs. I'm comfortable with either signing Didi for one year or having Glaber for one more year at short. Because is Didi going to want to take another one-year deal? I'm not sure. But I, I will love that. If our infield is Urshela, Didi, Glaber, and Mook Voigt, overall, that's a lot better defense than we've had this past season. So I'll take that for one year. But then the Yankees are going to have to sign one of the five shortstops. Seager, Story, Correa, Lindor. Um, who, who am I missing? Oh, oh, oh Baez. 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 That's, that's one of the five. They have to sign one of the fives. And I know a lot of Yankee fans are going to hate this, but they, they need to shut the fuck up. Because if Carlos Correa is available, guess what? You sign Carlos Correa. Okay, this is why you fans aren't aren't GM or ownership because you you be that fool to not sign Carlos Correa. But if Carlos Correa can will sign a six or an eight year deal for two for for one hundred and seventy five plus million dollars, you do that because Carlos Correa is good. I you don't have to be a nice guy to play sports. You could be the biggest piece of shit, and maybe Correa is that right. But but if he hits you a walk off home run in the ALCS and takes the Yankees to the World Series, if if he makes a great playoff short and he's a fantastic shortstop, so that's a triple upgrade over Glaber, right? Is the Yankee fan gonna say, "Oh fuck Correa" if he hits a big walk off home run? No, right? So it's about winning games. It's not about making friendships. No, definitely. I, I, when when the Yankees acquired a Rod, I, I wasn't a fan of that. I was. It was hard to take. You know, if you were around back then, it was Jeter, Nomar, and A-Rob, the yeah. three 
bridling shortstops. And you kind of had the beauty of a team cheater, obviously. So to have him come in, it was kind of a weird... It took a while to take. It really took a while to take. And then on the back of that was all the failures and the losses in the World Series and the playoffs. And, you know, A-Rod became the poster boy that. It wasn't until really the MVP season in 07 that people started to even like him a little. So it, it, would be t- it would be a tough to swallow. They would swallow it, definitely. But I, I, I actually think Correa will be the Mets shortstop in 2022. That's what I was thinking. That's exactly what I was thinking because the Mets are likely, I think the Mets are going to sign Springer and I definitely think Correa is going to end up with the Mets. If they don't get Lindor, I definitely see Correa with the Mets. And if you're and if you talk about an infield with Correa and I guess, I don't know who the Mets second baseman is. Uh, McNeil. But McNeil. Yeah, yeah, McNeil. McNeil and Correa. Oh my God, that's that 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 that's that that's a great tandem right there. And you have Alonzo at first base, you have Springer in the outfield, and you have McCann, and you're gonna improve your pitcher rotation. The Mets are gonna be a team that went from pre- from a joke to a team that can actually contend in the National League. Now let me ask you this, John. I want to get your opinion. Me and Nick have been saying about Steve Cohen taking over the Mets, and we have been saying that. If the Mets win the World Series, it puts so much pressure on the Yankees. What do you think a Mets winning the World Series would do for the Yankees as far as pressure to actually win? Well, I think you'd find a lot of of, uh, fans coming out of the shadows, and I think it would definitely reignite the rivalry of the city. I think think a Mets, to be honest, it's it's a weird thing to say as a Yankee fan, but a Mets winning the World Series would be a great thing for New York baseball because it would reignite rivalries that haven't been awake for 20 years. So I, I think it would be great for the sport, but I would hate to see it. Yeah, I, I would say the exact same thing too. It would be something that you don't want to see. Um, so I've, got, so I've always wanted to ask this question. I know um, Australia, um, you have the um, this thing called the AFL. Um, do you watch the Australian Football League? Uh, yeah, I do watch it, but it's not my primary football sport here. Really? Because I see, P- I, I have a friend in Australia, and like she's a fan of the AFL. So I, I, I asked if you're a fan of the AFL. I think they have, a, I think that I think it's Collingwood, if I'm not mistaken. They have a football club. I think that's what they called. Um, are they any good? Have you checked them out? Oh, yeah. Uh, Collingwood's a great club. Yeah, Colling, Collingwood is like the Yankees of the AFL. They're, they're, they're the big club, the arrogant club, the ones that kind of, you know, there's a lot of tradition there. The way that, the way that Australian sports work is there are different states are focused on different sports. Kate, I assume you're referring to, she, she lives in Victoria and Victorians live and breathe um, AFL football or Aussie rules like it's religion. That that is their state sport. That's where it all originated from, and and, it kind of, and it's kind of spread into other parts of the country. But that's the main the main hub of it. Where for I'm from New South Wales, where rugby league is the sport, and um, and Queensland as well. So the the, the the states actually dictate what are the more popular sports. So we have about, we have four football codes here that have different followings in different places. I uh I uh, think it's awful, but how would you rank James's Australian accent from from a scale of one to five, Jarv? One 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 being goddamn awful, and five five being like 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 damn, you're from here, brother. 
Well, I'd like to see him try some uh, Steve Irwin, so it's trying to whip out a really good... Crikey, look at the size of that alligator over there! <laughs> well, well, my Australian accent is not is not really that great, mate. <laughs> Come on, yeah, throw in a Steve Irwin, that's James. A solid, that's a solid one and a half there. <laughs> <laughs> James, throw in a Steve Irwin, buddy. Come on. Crikey, mate! I just I just saw a doggo. <laughs> into a bar, if me and James walk, walked into a bar, and if James was talking like that, would people think that he's making fun of him and they, and, and they would beat James up? Uh, we're, we're not that, oh, depends on the bar, we're not that violent a nation that would turn on him, but he definitely might uh, have something extra in his drink that he wouldn't enjoy. Oh my <laughs> god, that, that is awful. James, that I is, think you should retire the accent, tough. bud. Should write its man in mirror, so so I hope they do. But I I bet that would be fun and and a thousand deaths, right? We might have had a thousand deaths in day one, right? Hour four. So I'm glad Australia. I'm I'm glad you guys are being responsible. I'm glad you guys know how to contain it because because the people here we're fucking stupid, right? We we all want to party. We all want to go to the club. We all want everything our way. We don't want to be told what to do. And I wish we. Wasn't like that because you know what? It sucks, man. It really sucks. 
tough balancing act when you've got when people know their rights and want their freedom, but also we're trying to be responsible. You get some people being selfish, some people doing the right thing, and it's it's hard when it when it comes to businesses and 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 people worried about their jobs. I understand, but when it's people who just want to go out and drink and socialise, it's hard to defend. Exactly right, and it's also very hard because when you're when you're trying to. Um, when you're when you're trying to do the right thing, you want to like be good, and then you see people just being really bad and obnoxious. Man, it's just uh, it's it's really awful. It's it's really really awful, and it's something that we also get a fix. I mean, from what from what we just read, them there's um the COVID vaccines are being distributed. Um, have you got any vaccines um distributed in in, in Australia in, in Australia? Nothing distributed yet, but there's talk that uh, there's a Queensland university with something close, and Pfizer is, is not far away. So I'm not sure about when they're talking about implementing, but uh, yeah, definitely some on the on the on the track and coming soon. So yeah. Um, well, let's that's good though. let's let's talk a little NBA. Jarv sent me some Australian numbers, and I tagged you, James. So just take a look at that. Um. The NBA season starts next week, and most it's gonna start with no fans, right? You you got you got the team team the Brooklyn Nets. They got Kevin Durant, Kyrie. You got Westbrook going to going to Washington with Bradley Bill. You got the Lakers trying to repeat. You got the Warriors coming off their one year of bad. So you know you got you got the James Harden bl- blunder. You got. The young Miami Heat team, the young Celtics. How how do you think this NBA season will go? Well, the Nets are just super strong. Like they're just if Durant is Durant, I think they're going to be pretty much coming out of the East um, and really tough to beat. Uh, you know, when you talk about the players they have that were that were starters, now are going to be moving to the bench to make room for those guys. It's going to be a really strong lineup and hard to beat. It's a really tough squad. I think the NBA, the NBA has the advantage of they can really rest people and take their time through the season to get them ready for the playoffs because there's just so many games where there's just teams that aren't competitive they can just take it easy against. Yeah, and especially with the Nets having all these expectations, um, where expectations always comes um, higher pressure. Um, do you think with Kyrie's comments and then he backtracked his comments um, and you saw texting him, um, what do you think of how Kyrie's going to do? He's definitely a lightning rod and knows how to uh, ruffle people's feathers, that's for sure. So he, um, I, I think I think he can handle it. I think he's fine with it. I think he likes playing the game. I think he likes the attention. Um, so I don't, I don't think... The external pressure will really get to him too much when it comes to the business end of the season, but I think he just does like a bit of drama from time to time. Wow, I I just saw that uh, RJ is moving to the new morning show, Vital Cog to yeah. our operation, and an even better person. We are gonna miss him. Wow. So who's who's gonna be their board up? Did they say I I I didn't watch today's show yet. Uh, yeah, Anthony. They're saying Anthony's taking over. So. Oh, piece Anthony, of bread. Anthony's been training up. Anthony. Wow, so basically they stay, they swapped 
Anthony leaves Bar um to pick the Barton on and he goes to the K. Wow. What a what a what a move. What a move. And speaking of Barton on, um, do you listen to Barton on um John? Uh I used to listen to it a bit when it was before the K show, but now they moved earlier in the day. It's in the middle of the night here, so I would I would like to have listened to it more, but uh but with the with the DCR show going to five AM, that might be a, a late night show for me now. So I have to see how that goes. Yeah, yeah, man. Um, and it's crazy because I was against it. I was not for it. I mean, if you want to make a New York show where I would have I would have kept Gordon Damer where he is. I would move. I would do um. Because honestly, I don't care about Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin. I, I don't care about that at all. I, I don't care. No one cares. I think that show is bland at best. I would have Barn Han go from like 6 to 9. That's what I would do, 6 a.m. to 9 a.m. Have Greeny go from 9 to 11. Have Barton Han go from 11 to 2. If you want to keep the Kellerman show, sure, I guess, 2 to 3. And then you just keep the K show, Carlin and Harvesting called a day. With the with the Kellerman show, it seems like they just do the first hour in New York and cut it off and put the, the K show on because it doesn't seem like he just goes an hour. It seems like he goes longer, is that right? And he just Yeah, national because no one, the rest of it. Yeah, um that what it does is the New York area gets one hour of it and then the national coverage gets the rest. That that's how it works. Yeah, right. Here's here's my thing with Max Kellerman. I think he's A plus when it comes to boxing. When when Max Kellerman talks boxing, you listen. But everything else, that's it. He sucks. He's not good. He makes he makes awful, awful, awful takes. So I don't know why ESPN keeps on hiring this guy. I don't understand, right? I I get it. Him and um Skip, they say a lot of outlandish things, and they get ratings. Their names, their... But that's all really they are, is, is they say outlandish takes, and, you know, it's, it's it's just annoying. Yeah, Max Kellerman and Skip Bayless are the audio version of clickbait. You know, <laughs> they're hot lake machines that, that, get, that get people clicking or listening in just to hear what they're going to say so they can yell about it. So I think that, that outrageousness of what keeps them employed. Especially with Skip Bayless, right? Talking about Dak Prescott and when Dak Prescott was going through his struggles, his mental struggles, especially losing um, losing his, brother, his older brother to suicide. And Skip Bayless made that insensitive comment. And that's what they do, right? They, they, they say things that are insensitive and stupid get a rating, and get people to listen, rinse, repeat. And it works every time, and I don't get why people don't see it. Like, look at Max Kellman. He's saying things like, oh, well, you know, Brady is this, and Kawhi's the best player in the NBA, and all that stuff. Like, he says everything just, you know, just for a rating. It's all for a rating. Yeah, it's, it's an old newspaper thing, like, from way back, where you go, you put a headline that's 48 foot, a 48-point font on the front about some outrageous claim, and then two weeks later put a retraction that's only 10 point, 20 on page 24. You know, it's easier to get the attention to sell the papers and then make an apology later. Um, lately, women have been breaking barriers, 
and you know the the conception is sports it's a man's thing women stay out of it but we say no to that and the Miami Marlins agreed hiring Kim Ng last month you know the Vanderbilt College had Sarah Fuller kick for them for two games she she made two extra points what's what's your thoughts on women growing in the sports world um i i think i think the selection of playing sport doing business or anything should be based on skill not sex organs so if you can do the job or if you can play the game at the level that required in that league then you should be allowed to play so i yeah i, I don't think anything should be limited other than can you do it or can't you do it and that should be the criteria solely and, and that's what it is, right? And it leads me into the Rooney Rule. Nick, Nick has always had his opinion on the Rooney Rule of giving like people of color a chance, and he's always against it. I'm not really for that. I'm like, and it feels like the Rooney Rule is like a special treatment. And look, it, it shouldn't be like, oh, like you just hired this and not that. I always think that, and this is going to be my last question, is what would you do about the Rooney Rule? Uh, the Rooney Rule stuff, because in, in South Africa, the, 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 the South African cricket team, because they had apartheid and stuff like that, they um, are forced to put two people of colour in the team no matter what. No matter if it's better players that they leave out, they have to do that. Because sometimes you need to do something that extreme to change the system and to change something that's been systemic and a problem. So if it serves, I understand having the Rooney Rule to get the ball rolling, but there's a certain point where you're people know that I'm coaching because of, my, of merit, not because of the colour of my skin or the people I know. So I think it ha has its place to start with, but I think we need to see more happening before you start saying, let's get rid of it and make sure, you know, you need to see more change. I think, yeah, I think it's from the ownership that needs to start and then go down from there. I couldn't agree more. All right, Jarv, before we get you out of here, I'm going to ask you some quick rapid-fire questions. So I'm going to ask you some quick questions. You're going to give me at the top of your head. You ready? Okay, for it. All right, what is your favorite sport in – what's your favorite sport in general? Baseball. What is the coolest thing about Australia? Uh, the weather. What if, if you could? If what 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 is what is cooler? Like on the um Australian football or Australian baseball? Australian football, by far. Okay, by far, perfect. Um, who do, um will the Yankees win the World Series in two thousand twenty one? Will they win? Yeah, uh, yeah, I hope so. I hope so. I'll be cheering for it. That's for sure. <laughs> You hope so. Um, um, what do you think will happen first? Um, the Giants making the playoffs or the Jets being a competent football team? The Jets. I think the Jets will be in the championship game within three years. Wow, that is a that is a hot take. Okay. What? Okay. Um, two quick ones. Um, what do you think? Um, what do you think the best part about the King show is? Uh, the dynamic of the three of them, how they bounce away, bounce around off each other, and no topic is off limits. It could, you could be talking about Doritos for half an hour and be entertained. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. And the most important last question: um, If you had to pick um, any, 
not not just the Kane show, but any anyone from the producers, the callers, anyone that from ESPN Radio that you would have a pint with, um, or a drink as they call it, who would you go, who would you have a drink with? Oh, I'd have to say Michael. Michael, why Michael? Mm. I think there's a lot of stories there. He, he's lived a life, and there's a lot of like. He was talking about the Christmas parties he used to have 20 years ago in his apartment in the city and stuff like that today. And I think there'd be a lot of behind-the-scenes stories that would just be fascinating. Mine would probably be, and and is this anyone from Team Chaos or anyone from ESPN? No, it's ESPN, ESPN, and just ESPN in general. Let's not ESPN in general. We're talking Steve, right. Matt, Mark, everybody. Oh, hang on. There you go. You just Ricky, named Ricky, him. Ricky, 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 for me. <laughs> okay, I'm for for all of ESPN. I'm choosing Stephen A. If it's if it's all of all of TMKS, then I'm choosing Don. And just really? just the laughter, right? Because because a lot of the stuff that Michael Michael said. He said a million times, and and maybe there are great stories he's never said, but right, I I could talk Yankees with almost everyone I, I can find on Twitter, so you know I'd I'd rather hear Ranger stories, I'd rather hear stories about Clixies, you know, I I'd, I'd rather hear you know stories like that about his dad, his his college days, and 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 plus you know. We, we can just play drops and rant all day and have core ranches. I love core ranch burritos. And, 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 and plus, plus he, he, he got a pool, chill by the pool. And, you know, I'm, you know, I'm a big pool guy. So, you know, James, who, who would you choose to have a drink with? Okay. Uh, if it's all ESPN, I'm definitely going to pick Stephen A. Smith. He's a cool guy. He's a chill guy. If it's, all of of TMKS, I would probably I you know I'm gonna go out of the box because you you guys say John you said Michael you say Don I'm gonna go Peter I think because Peter I mean he, he's more he's young he's closer to he's closer to my age he um he, he's into hip hop so he can tell me some hip hop stories the wrestling fan, so he can tell me like things that he's um he's seen. Um, he's really big on football, so he can give me an objective view. Especially, he's a diehard Washington football team fan, so he can tell me some, some stuff about how he grew up from Chevy Chase, Maryland. So you know, Peter would be very interesting, and Peter seems like the funny, awkward kid that's like funny to talk to. So I I would say Peter. The entire ESPN, I'm going. Big Stephen A. Some big Stephen A. Smith because you're talking Stephen A. The guy got fly, he's skilled, and you know Stephen A. And Stephen A. The ladies' man, and he's also the love doctor. <laughs> and uh, Jarv, did uh, did Morris call the K show today? No, he did not. What's going on, man? Like, 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 like. He, I I know he's an older man, you know. I I just hope he's he's not in COVID. Did uh did uh Harry from Inglewood Cliffs call in? 
not that I know. They didn't really have room for a lot of callers today because they, they really they really filled it up with um, segments today. So I don't even remember them having a caller other than the people that won the um, hot cake competition. So Ooh. I think they only had those four callers, and they had um, you know the top five. Uh, Peter had a top five. Michael had a story from the crib. There was a whole bunch of stuff like that going on. Nice, but uh, I I hope those two guys call in soon. You know, because Harry's ninety plus years old. Morris got to be at least at least seventy plus. So you know, and and of course Spike calls it all the damn time. So we so so we know he's living. But uh, Jarv, you you make you you technically are part of the K show, right? You may not be see be be receiving the financial benefits, but you make it fun. You make Twitter fun. You you know your tweets are great. And, and and just for me and James, I just got to say thank you for doing all that. Thank you for taking the time to come on with us. And, uh, you know, hope you have a great holiday year and a great, great going into New Year's. Thanks, guys. Really appreciate it. Thanks for having me on and um, good luck with the show. I'm uh, enjoying it. I listened to a couple of it um, as the run-up into doing this interview. So and I, was, I was enjoying what I was hearing. So I'll probably keep listening to them all. So kick off the good work. Thanks, Thanks, brother. Thanks, Charles. We appreciate it, man.